Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Hi, reader. It's time for a new Reading Bug adventure, written, performed, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned independent bookstore. If you love our podcast, we want to hear from you. You can mail your drawings to our bookstore, and we'll hang them up for everyone to see. You can also email us at talkback at readingbugadventures.com. And if you want to help us out, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell at least two of your friends about our podcast and our bookstore. Please also consider continuing to support us by shopping with us. At The Reading Bug, our mission is to educate, entertain, and engage children across the globe. And you can help us by purchasing a book subscription for every young reader you know at readingbugbox.com. Unlike other subscription boxes, a Reading Bug box is hand-picked to match each child's age, interests, and reading level. And as interests and abilities change, our selections will grow with you. Our Summer 2022 special is running now through June 20th. A free book light with any 3, 6, or 12-month subscription for our personalized boxes. This offer does not apply to our Baby Board book box. Or you can shop at our store at thereadingbug.com, where we have millions of books available for purchase for children and grown-ups. You can find our latest recommendations or purchase books from your favorite podcast episodes. Check us out! Now, before we get started with today's adventure, let me thank a few special friends. A great big hello and thank you to our newest patrons. You're part of what makes Reading Bug Adventures podcast possible. To become a patron and support our work, please visit patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. And thank you to all of our sponsors and to Resonate Recordings, who does the sound mixing and mastery for our podcast. Okay, reader, are you ready for another adventure with me and the Reading Bug? Great! Then let's fly! It's time for a Reading Bug Adventure! It's a Reading Bug Adventure, there's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Hi, reader. Welcome. I'm so excited for another adventure together. I can hardly wait. Are you as excited as I am? I'm so, so glad you're here. But, uh, have you seen the reading bug anywhere? We can't go on an adventure without her and her magic book bag. Lauren, reader, I'm here, I'm here. I'm sorry I'm late. I just wanted to make sure my special guest was coming. Special guest? (gasps) Is it the spelling bee? Or the bookworm? Great guesses, Lauren. But I'm afraid not. The reading bug's special guest today is me your friendly neighborhood astronaut. Alara Page! Hi! (laughs) 
Reader, you remember Alara, don't you? She's the astronaut who joined us on our adventure to the moon. And you adventured inside my body with my brother Hugo on your inner space adventure. Alara, are we going back to the moon today? Don't answer that, Alara. Lauren, you know that every time we adventure together, you have to guess where we'll be going. Alara and I can't just tell you. What fun would that be? But if you need a clue... I do! Well then, I can assure you that we are not going to the moon today. Although it would be fun to visit Lumi and her friends someday. And we are not going on another inner space adventure either. But our adventure will certainly be out of this world and over the moon. Out of this world and over the moon? So it is an outer space adventure then, isn't it, Bug? Maybe. Does over the moon mean we're going somewhere deeper in space? Beyond the moon? Maybe. Oh, you're no help, Bug. I can't possibly guess where we're going unless you give me another hint. Reading Bug, can you tell us the titles of some of the books in your book bag? Maybe that will help us guess. I thought you'd never ask. Let me see. Some of the books I brought with me in my book bag today are Sadiq and the Desert Star by Simon Nuralu, Skippy John Jones Lost in Space by Judy Schachner, DK Eyewitness Space Exploration, and Secret Agent Jack Stallworth, The Deadly Race to Space by Elizabeth Singer Hunt. Any guesses? Well, all of those books sound like they're about outer space, just like I thought. But I still have no idea where the book bag will be taking us, because outer space is very, very big. You're right about that, Lauren. Our sun is part of the Milky Way galaxy, which contains about 200 billion stars. And scientists believe that there are tens of billions of galaxies in the universe. Billion? With a B? Well, that's even bigger than I imagined. Bug, how can we possibly guess where we'll be going today if there is such an enormous number of stars and planets and galaxies in outer space? Could you maybe give us another hint? Sure, Lauren. Here's another one. We are planning on staying inside our solar system on our adventure today. Does that help? Yes, it sure does. Reader, our solar system consists of the planets, moons, asteroids, meteors, and comets that revolve around our sun. And if we aren't going back to our moon, I bet we're going to visit one of the planets in our solar system. Is that right, Bug? Yes, yes, yes. You got it, Lauren. But can you guess which planet we'll be visiting? Which planet? Hmm. Well, including Earth, our solar system has eight planets. Right, Alara? That's right. Scientists used to think that there were nine planets in our solar system because they used to consider Pluto, which was the smallest and furthest from the Sun, a planet. But as telescopes and other technologies improved, astronomers could see that there were a lot of other small bodies beyond Pluto that also revolved around the Sun. They decided that these small bodies, including Pluto, were not planets, and now they call them Plutoids, or Kuiper Belt objects. So yes, there are eight planets in our solar system. Reader, do you know all the planets in our solar system? There's Earth, of course. That's where we live. What are the others? There are two planets closer to the Sun than Earth is. The closest planet is Mercury, then there's Venus, and then the Earth. That's three. And after Earth is Mars. The first four planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, are called the inner planets because they are the closest to the Sun. The inner planets in our solar system are all rocky, and now that Pluto is no longer considered a planet, 
They are the four smallest planets in the solar system. The inner planets are separated from the outer planets by an asteroid belt. What is an asteroid belt? Well, an asteroid belt isn't like the belts that we wear around our waists. But just like a belt circles our waist, the asteroids circle around the sun. Like plutoids, asteroids are rocky bodies that travel around the sun, but they are smaller than plutoids, and there are thousands of them in the asteroid belt. Okay, so we've named four planets so far. The inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. Just four more to go. Right, the four outer planets. Can you name them? I can, I can. The next planet after Mars is Jupiter. That's the largest planet in our solar system. And then there's Saturn, the planet that has rings around it. And after that is Uranus and... Neptune. That's right. I can't believe I forgot Neptune. Good job. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune are all larger than the inner planets. They are made up mostly of gas, which means that we wouldn't be able to walk around on any of them because they are not solid like Earth and the other inner planets. Oh, you can't walk around on the outer planets? Hmm. If we can't walk around, then we probably aren't going to visit them on our adventure today, right? So, that means we must be headed to one of the rocky inner planets, Mercury, Venus, or Mars. But which one could it be? Well, I read that the planet we're going to visit is the one that scientists believe is the most likely to have the conditions required to support life. Red? Is that a clue, reading bug? Maybe. Well, I only know of one planet that is red, and that's Mars, the red planet. Is that where we're going to be adventuring today? Yes, yes, yes. You got it, Lauren. We're going to be visiting Mars today, and I couldn't be more excited. I think I might be even more excited than you, Reading Bug. A trip to Mars, who could have imagined? Since space exploration began about 60 years ago, when Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin circled the Earth, more than 500 people have traveled into space, and 24 people have landed on the moon. But no human being has ever landed on Mars, or any other planet for that matter. You mean, we're going to be the first? Yes! My employer, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, has announced that it is aiming to send humans to Mars sometime in the next 10 to 20 years. But by then, I'll be too old to be a part of the mission. So, when the reading bug told me that she was planning a Mars adventure, I jumped on the opportunity to come along. You all will be the first human beings on Mars, and I'll be the first non-human Earth creature to visit Mars. I read in DK Eyewitness Space Exploration that a chimpanzee named Ham was chosen for space travel way back in 1961 because chimps are so similar to humans. Since then, dogs, rats, monkeys, flies, fish, ants, frogs, honeybees, sea urchins, and more than 2,000 jellyfish have also been space travelers. Even ladybugs have traveled into space. I read that in 1999, Four ladybugs, along with our favorite food, aphids, were sent into space on one of NASA's space shuttle missions. Think of it. Today, I'll become the fifth ladybug to travel into space and the very first insect from Earth to land on Mars. And the only reading bug. Well, it looks like we're all ready to go on a Marsvelous adventure together. (laughs) Marsvelous? But before we go, we'll want to make sure that our bodies are stretched out and ready for the adventure that awaits us. So, why don't we all stretch out together? Go ahead and stand up. 
unless you're buckled into your car seat or tucked into your bed, of course, and wiggle your fingers and toes. Are you wiggling? I sure am. Great. Stretch your arms way up over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, now we're ready to go. Thanks, Lauren. I feel much, much better. Don't you? I do feel better. And now that I'm all stretched out, I'm ready to go. Reader, did you remember to bring some crayons and paper with you? On our adventures, we can be illustrators and draw pictures of the amazing things we see and do. Pictures are how we'll retell our adventure once we've returned. I'm pretty sure there won't be any crayons or colored pens on Mars. So if you didn't bring some with you, you should go get them. Don't worry, you can pause our adventure and get them now. The Reading Bug and I will wait right here for you. Okay, everyone, there's one more thing to do before we go. We need to put on the spacesuits that I brought. Astronauts wear a kind of spacesuit called an extravehicular mobility unit when we leave the safety of the spaceship to adventure into outer space. Extravehicular means outside of the spacecraft, and mobility means that the astronaut can move around in the spacesuit. Because your magic book bag, and our imaginations, will allow us to travel all the way to Mars in the blink of an eye, we should get dressed in our spacesuits now, before we jump into the book bag. Reading Bug, on our moon adventure, your magic book bag turned into a rocket that we flew to the moon. Are we going to travel by rocket again today? Oh no, not this time, Lauren. Mars is the closest planet to Earth, but it is still more than 550 times further away than the moon. The moon is about 230,000 miles from Earth, but Mars is more than 35 million miles away. 35 million miles? In Mastronaut Goes to Mars, astronaut Mark Kelly says that it may take two years or more for a rocket to take astronauts to Mars, but we've only got one day to get there and back, so we'll be traveling by magic book bag today. My magic book bag is the only way we can get to Mars and back in less than a day. That's right, Reading Bug. Now, let's put on our spacesuits so we can get on our way. These spacesuits are like tiny personal spaceships. They are very complicated machines with air conditioning, heating, air to breathe, and water to drink. They even have a built-in toilet. <laughs> I guess there aren't a lot of places to stop for a bathroom break on a 35-million-mile trip to Mars. Let's all put on our spacesuits together. First, we need to slip into the liquid cooling and ventilation garment that astronauts wear underneath our spacesuits. This tight-fitting suit covers our entire body except for our head, hands, and feet. Water flows through more than 300 feet of tubing that is woven into the garment to maintain the right temperature for the astronaut. Putting on the liquid cooling and ventilation garment is a little like putting on a wetsuit. It's difficult to get into, and a little chilly, too. That chill is going to feel really good when you have the rest of the heavy spacesuit on. Now, let's stand up and put on the lower torso assembly, which covers our legs and feet. Since we will be walking around, the lower torso assembly includes boots that are made to allow us to walk on rocky surfaces like Mars. 
Reader, try stomping your feet. These boots are made for stomping and tromping. They feel like a pair of very good hiking boots. Now we need to lower the hard upper torso over our arms and head. We then connect the lower torso assembly and the upper torso assembly at the waist. Uh, Alara, is there something wrong with one of my sleeves? It looks like there's a patch on it. Don't worry, Lauren. There's nothing wrong with your sleeve. Each American astronaut wears a mission patch on one of his or her sleeves. The mission patch usually has a picture related to the mission or the spacecraft that the astronaut flew on. I've left our patches blank so that each of us can decorate our mission patch with a picture of our favorite part of our adventure today. That's a great idea, Lara. I can't wait to draw a picture for my patch. What do you think we should draw for our patches, reader? Finally, let's slip our backpacks over our shoulders. The backpack is called the primary life support system because it contains oxygen for us to breathe, and it also removes carbon dioxide that we exhale. The backpack also provides electricity for the spacesuit. A fan moves through the spacesuit and support systems, and a water tank holds the cooling water that flows through our undergarment to keep us cool. Now we're all set for our walk on Mars, except for the helmet, and we'll put that on after we land. Reading Bug, you can hop into Lauren's helmet before she puts it on so that you can join us on our walk. Okay, now that we've put on our spacesuits, we're ready to go. Reading Bug, do you want to get us started? I sure do, Lauren. Let's get my book bag opened up and get on our way. Magic Book Bag, please take us on a trip today to a planet 35 million miles away. Over the moon and out towards the stars, take us away on an adventure to Mars. Look, reader, it's working. The Reading Bug's magic book bag is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. No matter how many times I see the magic in Reading Bug's book bag, it never gets old. The real sun is so bright that we can't look directly at it. But the picture of the sun in the book bag, it's huge, round and a brilliant yellow color. Look, I also see a picture of our moon. I can tell it's a full moon because it's also big and round, but it's orange instead of yellow. The moon looks orange like that when it is low in the sky right after sunset because we are looking at it through a greater thickness of the Earth's atmosphere than when it is up high in the sky. Oh, look over there, reader. I see pictures of lots of people dressed from neck to toe in silver, white, and orange spacesuits, boots and gloves, and wearing big white helmets with clear visors so they can see. Some of the spacesuits have an American flag patch on one of the sleeves, and others have patches from other countries like Mexico, Japan, South Africa, Russia, and China. That's right. All of those countries have also sent people into space. There are also pictures of rocket ships zooming through the book bag and some crazy-looking vehicles, too. Some of the vehicles are as small as a radio flyer wagon, and others are as large as a big truck. They all have either four or six giant tires and all sorts of unusual objects attached to them. Some of these objects look like cameras, and others look like antennae, mechanical arms, and even backhoes. And everywhere, for as far as I can see, there are stars There must be thousands, maybe even millions of stars floating around inside the book bag. 
Those are pictures from all the books about Mars and our solar system that I brought with me. And look at all the wonderful words floating around between the pictures. Asteroid, comet, galaxy, orbiter, lander, rover, soul, plutoid, phobos, dimos, and psychokinetic. Oh yeah, this is going to be another awesome adventure. I'm so excited. Are you ready for our Mars Bullets adventure to Mars? Great. Then what are we waiting for? On the count of three, let's jump together into my book bag and get this adventure started. Ready? One, two, three, let's fly. Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag? Our trusty book bag. What will we learn about today? Whoa! Hold on tight! Reader, we're going straight up into the air, through the clouds and into space. When I look down, I can see the blue oceans, brown continents, and the white clouds dotting the sky. But the Earth keeps getting smaller and smaller as we fly higher and higher into space. If I look back toward Earth now, all that's visible is a blue globe, circled by white clouds. And as we move further away, the globe is getting smaller and smaller. This is a fast ride, Bug. Look, just like that, the Earth is so small that it looks like a pale blue dot in the sky. Yep, but if you look in front of us, you can see that Mars, the red planet, is getting bigger and bigger. You're right. When we left Earth, Mars just looked like a very bright star. But as we get closer, it started to look more like a red dot. And now it looks like a giant red ball in the sky. As we continue to get closer, I can even see the surface of Mars. It's rocky, with canyons, volcanoes, and craters. The ground is brown, with patches of gold and tan, and everything is covered in a reddish haze. Look out below! This book bag is coming in for a landing! We're headed right for the middle of the planet! Hold on tight, everyone! I think we're about to land! Oh! Reader. Reading bug. Alara. I think the book bag has done its magic. The sounds have stopped, and all the lights and images have stopped spinning around us. We've landed on Mars. I can't believe we're actually here. Let's go. Everyone, quickly put on your helmets and climb out of the book bag. Follow me. Reading bug, hop into my helmet before I put it on. You got it. Wow, look at this place. It's incredible. The surface of Mars looks just like I imagined it would. It's a dry, barren wasteland with scattered rocks, hills, and valleys. I think we landed on Olympus Mons, a volcanic mountain that is located in the Tharsis Montes region near the Martian equator. Uh, sure. Olympus Mons is the highest mountain on Mars, Lauren. Oh, Okay, well that's easier to understand. <laughs> but I thought you said that it was a volcanic mountain. Volcanoes are cone-shaped, but this mountain is flat on top. You're right, Lauren. Many volcanoes are shaped like an upside-down ice cream cone. Those volcanoes are called composite volcanoes. They are formed when lava from the volcano spews out of a central vent at the top. But Olympus Mons is a shield volcano, just like the volcanoes that make up the Hawaiian Islands. Instead of spewing molten lava from a central vent at the top, 
The lava from a shield volcano slowly pours out in all directions, building a broad, gentle slope shaped like a warrior's shield. I read that Olympus Mons is over 13.6 miles high, and it's two and a half times taller than Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain on Earth. That makes Olympus Mons the tallest mountain in our entire solar system. It's also 374 miles wide, which makes it about as large as the entire state of Arizona. Wow, that's crazy! You're telling me that we're standing on the tallest mountain in the entire solar system right now? It doesn't even feel like we're on a mountain because we aren't close enough to the edge to see how high up we are. Oh, hey, Alara, look! The ground here is covered with a thick layer of red dust, just like a snowstorm on Earth covers everything with a layer of white snow. I guess that's why Mars looks red from the sky. But where does all this red dust come from? I read in the magic school bus lost in the solar system that the dust comes from rusty iron in the soil. Is that why the sky looks pink, too? Yes. During the day, the sky looks red or pink because of all the red dust in the air. But I bet you can't guess what color the sunsets are. What color do you think the sunsets are, reader? On Earth, the most beautiful sunsets are red. Remember the saying, red skies at night, sailors delight? Red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. Since the Martian sky is already red, I bet the sunsets here are also red. That's a good guess, Lauren, but sunsets on Mars aren't red. They are actually blue. Well, why on Earth, or I guess I should say, why on Mars are the sunsets here blue? The answer is a little technical, but let me try to explain. On Earth, blue light from the sun is scattered by the air molecules and spreads around the dense atmosphere of the Earth. That's what makes our sky look blue. Now, unlike Earth, the atmosphere on Mars is very thin. It's less than 1% as dense as the Earth's. All the red dust in Mars' thin air makes this sky look red, except at sunset when the blue light from the sun passes through the greatest depth of atmosphere and dust. That's why on Mars we can only see a blue halo around the sun at sunset, the time when the sun's light passes through the greatest depth of air and dust. Okay, I think I understand what you just said, Alara. The blue light from the sun can only be seen here when the sun is low in the sky, which is when the sun's light is passing through the densest part of the air closest to the ground. Is that right? Yes, great job, Lauren. That's a good, simple way to think about it. And what about the gravity here on Mars, Alara? When we jumped on the moon, we were able to float through the air before landing because the gravity there was less than that of Earth. Well, Lauren, why don't you give it a try? Okay. Reader, let's try to jump like we did on the moon. Ready? One, two, three, jump! Whee! <laughs> this is fun! Just like on the moon, I can jump higher and farther than I can on Earth. Whee! <laughs> Are you jumping too, reader? I feel like an Olympic high jumper or long jumper. I'm as light as a feather. Just like on the moon, you are much lighter on Mars than you are on Earth. Mars is much larger than the moon, but it's only half the size of our planet Earth. And because Mars is half the size of Earth, its gravity is only about 40% of the Earth's gravity. That means that someone who weighs 100 pounds on Earth only weighs 40 pounds on Mars making it much easier to jump and leap. You feel light as a feather because you weigh so much less here on Mars. 
One small step for reading bugs, one giant leap for reading bug kind. Whee! Lauren, reader, Alara, remember that you are the very first humans to land on Mars. And there's lots here to see that no one has ever seen before. We should get started on our Mars walk because we can only stay here as long as the oxygen in your backpacks last. You're right, Bug. There are still lots of places on Mars that no one has ever seen before. The United States has sent unmanned orbiters, landers, and rovers to Mars, but they have only covered a tiny part of the planet, and they've never gotten close to where we are here on Olympus Mons because the high elevation and the dense red dust on Olympus Mons makes landing here impossible. I read in DK Stars and Planet Workbook that an orbiter is a spacecraft that is designed to go into orbit around a moon or a planet and is not intended to land on the planet or moon it orbits. In 1971, NASA launched Mariner 9, which was its first successful Mars orbiter. If an orbiter is a spacecraft that orbits a moon or planet, is a lander a spacecraft that lands on a moon or planet? Exactly! The purpose of a lander is to land on a moon or planet to collect samples, take pictures, and conduct experiments. The Viking 1 and 2 landers that NASA launched in 1976 landed on Mars and performed the very first successful experiments on its surface. Then what is a rover? Good question. Landers don't have wheels, so they can't move around. But a rover has wheels so that it can move around and survey a large area of a planet or moon. Mars is the only planet where humans have been able to send rovers. NASA's Mars Pathfinder, which launched in 1997, was the first rover to operate on Mars. That same year, NASA sent four more rovers to Mars, including the Sojourner rover. Sojourner was only the size of a microwave oven, but it roamed over a part of Mars named Aris Vallis. Right. Over time, Martian rovers have become more sophisticated. A rover named Curiosity landed on Mars in 2012, and it is still investigating the floor of the Gale Crater, a 96-mile-wide impact crater, or hole, that was formed more than 3.5 billion years ago. It was probably created when an asteroid or meteor crashed into Mars. And in 2021, NASA landed another rover, Perseverance. As of 2021, there had been 18 spacecraft missions operating on Mars, and eight of them were still active, including four active U.S. missions. Why have we sent so many missions to Mars? What is NASA looking for? The main purpose of the missions has been to look for signs of life that exist on Mars now, or that may have existed here in the past. You mean aliens? Not exactly, Lauren. I read in DK Stars and Planet Workbook that in 2006, the Phoenix Lander found deposits of frozen water. This was a very important discovery because life as we know it could not exist on Mars unless there was water. I've been looking all around us while we've been leapwalking, and Mars looks like a big, empty desert to me. I haven't seen even one drop of water. Just lots and lots and lots of red dust, everywhere. I don't think there's any living things on this barren planet. You may be right about that, Lauren. Other than the discovery of frozen water, the missions to Mars haven't found anything else here except for rocks and dust and more rocks and dust. NASA has also determined from the information collected on its missions that Mars has a very thin atmosphere made of carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and argon, and that the atmosphere contains less than 1% oxygen. 
Since almost all living creatures, plant and animal, need lots of oxygen to live, most scientists have concluded that even if there was life on Mars at some time in the past, there is no life here now. Maybe this Mars adventure wasn't such a great idea then. No matter how much we look, we probably aren't going to see anything here that we haven't seen already. The red sky and lots and lots of dust, rocks, and boulders. If we're still here at sunset, we'll also see Mars' two moons, Phobos and Deimos. In photographs of Mars, these moons look like two weird potato-shaped objects floating in the sky. Two moons? Phobos and Deimos are really small, especially compared to our moon. Our moon is over 2,000 miles wide, while Phobos is 18 miles long and Deimos is only 9 miles long. But I didn't know that they're potato-shaped. Why aren't they round like our moon? The Mars moons are so small that they don't even have enough gravity to pull in the material that makes them up evenly to make them round. That's why they look like potatoes. That would be pretty neat to see. Phobos and Deimos in the sky like giant floating potatoes. But is that all? I'm thinking we may want to head back home. I feel like we've already seen almost everything we're going to see on Mars. And I have to admit, it's pretty disappointing. Lauren, we may not have seen anything yet, but I think we should keep looking. I read in Ken Jennings Jr. Guide in Outer Space that life on Mars is not impossible. After all, we know there's water, and tests have shown that Martian soil has the nutrients needed for plants to grow there. In The Truth About Martians, Melissa Savage says that in 1947, the U.S. Army reported a flying saucer had crashed into a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. Even though the Army later took back their statement and claimed the crashed object was an ordinary weather balloon, people have been arguing about what the Army actually found ever since. Was it a weather balloon or was it... something else? A flying saucer? Are you saying that if we keep exploring Mars, we might find alien life here? I'm not not saying that. (laughs) We may not ever know what the Army saw in 1947. But in June 2021, the U.S. Department of Defense released a report that it has been investigating unidentified flying objects, or UFOs, since at least 2007. The report says that our military has examined 144 documented UFOs. Although most of these were probably man-made physical objects, the report does not rule out the possibility that some of these UFOs might have been spaceships. 144 UFOs? That's right. And Mars is the closest planet to Earth. And, unless you've forgotten, we already met Lumi, who is a space alien, on our moon adventure. With the magic of the book bag and the power of our imaginations, who knows what we might see here on Mars. That's right. When we reached the moon, we discovered that there were lots more creatures like Lumi. Even though they didn't look like us, they turned out to be very nice. And they even helped us patch our book bag spaceship so that we could fly it back home to Earth. But that doesn't mean all space aliens are as nice as Lumi and his friends. I guess you're right about that, Lauren. Ricky Ricotta's mighty robot, the voodoo vultures from Venus, isn't a true story. But it does include a whole army of evil voodoo vultures from Venus who are trying to take over Earth. I sure hope we don't meet any aliens like the voodoo vultures. Well, they were from Venus. Sure. But maybe Mars has its own brand of scary aliens, like mischievous monkeys from Mars or something. Oh, just thinking about mischievous alien monkeys gives me the heebie-jeebies. 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves, everyone. We haven't seen any signs of life yet, let alone any mischievous monkeys. Just dust, rocks, and boulders. And whatever that is. Whatever what is, Bug? That. Look, over there, just past the big boulder. I think I see something sticking out. Let's go see what it is. Do you really think that's a good idea? Sure I do. Come on. Lauren, you're controlling the spacesuit. If I'm going to get any closer to whatever's behind that rock, I need you to walk over to it. Okay, okay, Bug. I'm going. Reader, Alara, follow me. What is it, Alara? Help me scrape the red dust off this rock. Why, this isn't a rock or a boulder. It's something else. I can see that, but it's hard to get a good look at it because every time we scrape off the dust, more dust starts to cover it again. Alara, it looks like it could be some kind of vehicle. Could it be one of the landers or rovers you've been talking about? Maybe. It's about the same size as the Spirit rovers that NASA sent to Mars in 2004. I don't have a tape measure, but it looks to me like it's about 5 feet high, 7 feet wide, and 5 feet long. That's about the same size as a little electric smart car. The long metal arm that Reading Bug saw sticking out of it might be one of the antennae that allowed Spirit to communicate with Earth. But it can't be a lander or rover from Earth. Why not? Because no rovers or landers have ever landed anywhere close to Olympus Mons. It's way too high and windy up here for a spacecraft to land. The Spirit rover landed more than 2,200 miles from here. But didn't you just tell us that rovers can move around like a car or a jeep? Yes, but they can't travel very far. Spirit was designed to last only 90 souls, or Martian days, but it actually roved around Mars for six years. But in that entire six-year period, it traveled less than six miles. So the Spirit rover couldn't have driven itself up to Olympus Mons then? Correct. Somebody, or something, must have brought it up here. Maybe there really is something living here on Mars. After all, scientists say that other than Earth, it's the most likely planet in our solar system to support life. Imagine, we could be the first visitors from Earth to set foot on Mars, and the first to discover alien life here. I'm not sure I want to meet any unidentified space aliens today. Remember the voodoo vultures and the mischievous monkeys? If something drove this rover up here, maybe we should think about heading home before we run into whoever drove it. Judging by what's going on around us, I think the spaceship home has already sailed. The spaceship has already sailed? What does that mean? Haven't you noticed that it has been getting windier and windier? Mars has the worst dust storms in the solar system, much worse than the dust storm we encountered on our moon adventure. If we tried to open up the Reading Bug's book bag now, the storm would blow it away before we could hop in, and we might never find it. We're going to need to find shelter right away. But where can we go? There's nothing here but rocks, boulders, and a rover covered in red dust. I have an idea that just might work, Lauren. Remember I told you that Olympus Mons is a volcanic mountain? Volcanic mountains are created by lava flows that often create lava tubes and tunnels when they cool. 
Scientists have identified over a thousand cave entrances on Olympus Mons and other Martian mountains, and they believe that many of these entrances may lead to lava tubes that astronauts will be able to use for shelter when they land on Mars in the future. So if we can just find the entrance to a lava tube... Exactly. We might be able to escape this dangerous dust storm. I think I may have seen something when we were running over to uncover the rover. It was just behind us. 30, maybe 40 feet. The wind is blowing so much, I can't even see 10 feet ahead. Are you sure you saw the entrance to a cave reading bug? No, but I think I did. Quickly, turn all the way around and run back maybe 10 or 20 steps. Hold my hands. We don't want to get separated. Where's the cave reading bug? I can't see anything. I don't know. There, I think I see it, this way. It is a cave. It's not very big, but I think it's just large enough for us to crawl through, even in our bulky spacesuits. Hurry, follow me. We need to get out of the storm. I've got a flashlight, so we'll be able to see. Between this dust storm and that dark, creepy cave, I'm not sure what's scarier. I am, it's the storm for sure. It hasn't even really started yet. Once it gets going full force, we won't even be able to stand up in the wind. Hurry! The cave is big enough to hold all of us. Crawl in, and we can stay here until the wind dies down. Oh, wow. That's much better. It's still a bit of a tight squeeze in here, but with Alara's flashlight on, the cave isn't too scary. Reader, while we wait for the wind to die down, I'm going to pause our adventure here. And as part one of our Mars adventure closes out, I'll play music for you to color to while you draw illustrations of everything we've seen and done on our adventure. You might want to draw a picture of the patch for the spacesuit you are wearing. Remember that Alara told us that the patch usually has a picture of something related to the astronaut's mission. Great idea, Bug. I think I'm going to draw a picture of the red planet Mars for my patch. What do you want to draw on your patch, Reader? Maybe you'll draw a picture of Alara in her spacesuit or of the rover we just found on our Mars walk. Whatever it is, I'm sure it will be great. I'd love to see what you draw on your patches. If you have time, please share them on social media or email them to me at talkback at readingbugadventures.com. When we return for part two, hopefully we can get out of this cave and on with our adventure. Who knows what other dangers we may encounter out here on the red planet. But whatever happens, I know we can get through it together because... When you're a reader, you're a leader You're ready to learn about everything As you grow, you'll show This world that you can be anything You could write a book or fly a plane Build a house with a giant crane Whatever you do, one thing will be true There's nothing you can't do You can see it through Just by being you Thanks for joining us on our adventure today, and I can't wait to see you next time. If you want to read more about Mars and outer space while you wait for part two, check out the books in the Reading Bugs book bag at thereadingbug.com adventures. And if you live close to our store in San Carlos, you can check out our bookshelf filled with the Mars and outer space books that are in the Reading Bugs book bag. The Reading Bug, Alara, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. 
It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Thank you for listening to Reading Bug Adventures. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, Brandon Savage, and Diane Savage. Music is by me and Ross Gruet. Sound mixing and mastery is by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is our family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription service at readingbugbox.com. Thank you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.